the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Trying to get you to retirement with enough of a nest egg so that you could live off of it for 25 to 35 years. Taking a look at the markets yesterday, things went bad. Today, things opened okay, and we'll see where they go. Yesterday, things opened okay, and they went bad. Um, today, S&P 500 is up 4, the Dow's up 52, the NASDAQ down 22. Yesterday was known as another turnaround Tuesday. The turnaround involved a noticeable turn lower, led by financial consumer discretionary and tech sectors. The Russell 2000 slumped 1.6% and closed below its 200-day moving average for the first time since November 2012. That's interesting. Whether one describes the technical factors or the Ukraine concerns or the de-risking in the face of ongoing strength in the yen that works against the carry trade positions, the indisputable point is the stock market had a bad day. And there was any three of those things we could blame. Um, It's had bad days before, and recently it's gotten back up on its feet pretty quickly after a bad day. Typically, it's the Fed's supportive policy that people continue to quote and look at. Now, we're going to get a little bit more of Fed talk today as Janet Yellen is slated to provide testimony before the Joint Economic Committee at um, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Her prepared remarks are likely to mimic the Fed's latest policy directive, so don't look for anything shocking. Uh, There is a little opportunity to question Ms. Yellen about her considerable period definition. So it stands to reason the markets will take some sort of action off her comments uh, later this morning. So anything can go at 10 p.m. or uh, 1 1 p.m. today. Disney is trading modestly higher. Lots of good earnings there. Uh, Big success of Frozen. Electronic Arts is trading higher. The better-than-expected earnings report and guidance. 
Alibaba has officially filled uh, out their forms and said, we want to come IPO. So that's going to be the biggest IPO, tech IPO. It's going to be right next, hand-in-hand in hand with Facebook, one of the biggest of all time. A well-fleshed-out company that's now starting to take board positions and starting to take equity positions in some smaller companies to kind of figure out the business model in the United States, what they do in Asia, they want to do in the United States. So there's a little bit of sigh of geopolitical relief right now. Um, Putin's starting to get a little bit dovish, telling regions, you know, don't say that you want to leave Ukraine, we're not ready for you kind of thing. Um, but he's gone dovish and then got really hawkish many, many times before. So we're not putting a lot of faith in anything that he says at this point in time. So Alibaba, back to Alibaba, they gave investors a really close look at their scale and their growth. They power about 80% of all online commerce in the world's second largest economy, China. That's pretty powerful. The bulk of their proceeds of their IPO is going to go to Yahoo, which bought a 40% stake in Alibaba in 2005 for a billion dollars. So the company must sell, or Yahoo must sell, a third of its current 22.6% stake through the IPO. So Alibaba brand is less well-known in the United States than Internet companies like Amazon and Facebook, but worldwide, it's, it's big. Uh, when it files for its IPO in the United States, it will become a massive player in the United States stock markets. So it's worth probably over $200 billion. Um, and it's got robust growth. So it's become the largest Chinese corporation listed in the United States on either the NYSE or the NASDAQ. It's big. Whole Foods getting schwacked today. Turns out Walmart could sell organic food. Target could sell organic food. Safeway could sell organic food. So why go to Whole Foods? They deserve deeper scrutiny from investors. According to one, at least one of the five analysts who lowered their ratings on the grocery chains, stock, there was an interesting comment where he said, I'm perplexed. Whole Foods said their earnings were unchanged from a year ago. Revenue climbed like earnings. The company cut its 2014 forecaster again after previously lowering it in November and in February. So virtually all the metrics in the Whole Foods' latest earnings were materially worse than expectations. Some analysts call for a sell on the stock. That's how angry they are at the quarter. Whole Foods trading down to $37 a share today, down $21. So an analyst this morning lowers his target from 48 to 38. It's already there, like, thanks to the notice. Uh, but the analyst said the company is now offering is detailed guidance on earnings and store development plans through 2018, but said that he's going to provide a little consol- you know, consolation, consolation to investors who are wondering about significant near-term competitive threats. A lot of companies came public in the last year. Spouts, Fresh Market, Sprouts, not Spouts. What's wrong with my tongue today? And a lot of competition came from existing places like Safeway, like Lucky's. Every store carries something organic at this point in time. So 
analyst who says they deserve a lot more scrutiny. You have got to wait for, on this company until they raise guidance or until they meet guidance. At this point in time, it's got too high of a valuation to continue to miss and disappoint. It's trading at next year's 20 times earnings. Interesting economic tidbit this morning. American workers were less productive in the first quarter as harsh winter weather prevented some from getting to their jobs, causing the economy to stall. Pullback in productivity came as snow and unusually cold weather covered much of the United States, depressing economic activities as consumers had to stay inside. Companies had to put off investment plans. So we should see better numbers next quarter. Um, so again, the economic data, not good. Here's a nugget of economic data for you, if you like nuggets of economic data. Um, the U.S. trophy home market, homes that sell for over $100 million, smash price records in the United States. Barry Rosenstein, founder of hedge fund Jana Partners, purchased an 18-acre beachfront property in East Hampton, New York, for $147 million. That's breaking the U.S. single-family price record of $120 million set last month with the sale of a Greenwich, Connecticut waterfront estate on 51 acres. In L.A., a 50,000-square-foot home sold in February for $102 million in cash after a bidding war. So the world's richest people are clearly moving cash to real estate as they seek havens for their wealth. In the United States, an improving economy and stocks at a record are bolstering confidence about it via fluent home purchases of $2 million or more jumped 33% in January. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Facebook fan page, Cron4, Rob Black. Cron4, Rob Black. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. So, spending money is considered discretionary, right? Food. The cost of a chicken breast at Whole Foods is $7.50. The cost of a chicken breast at Safeway, $3.99 a pound. You make decisions that financially affect you. Brand of the grocery store for fruits and vegetables that you're never going to use makes no sense. 
Yet that's the biggest money waster we have in our lives is spoiled food. So cut it down. Now, there's a lot of things you could do when you're in retirement to make your money last. Like shopping for only things that you need. One unexpected financial disaster can devastate your life savings. And that's pretty tragic. Once you turn 50, though, you can start taking advantage of being older. You can do catch-up contributions. You could put an extra $5,500 into your 401k. You could put an extra $2,500 into your IRA. You can delay taking Social Security until you're 70. Each year you wait, you make a little bit more money when you do retire. So I see people putting away 1%, 2 3% of their money, and it makes me tra- sadly, tragically sad. It's, it's bad. People have to realize this is probably not enough to maintain their lifestyle in retirement. You've got to do 10, 15, 20% of your income. You want to have an emergency or rainy day fund outside of your retirement account so that you're never raiding your retirement account. One thing CFP Chad Burton says on a regular basis is have, you know, at least three years of, of your spending in cash or cash equivalents. And that allows you to ride out a rough market that could last up to three years. Historically, if you go back, they don't last much longer than that. Historically, if you go back, markets are up 7 out of 10 years. So you want your money exposed to growth, even in retirement. That's why you take out three years of spending and you expose the rest of your money to some sort of growth, growth in income or income. You expose it to growth if you have undersaved. You expose it to income if you've oversaved. Plan for health care, even if you're relatively healthy. It's, I can't tell you, you know, one thing I do like about going to the gym and seeing old people, I don't like seeing old people nude, sitting on leather couches, just lounging. Uh, But I do like seeing old people pumping iron. Uh, Anything you do to keep your health, I think it's a good thing. I think if a health savings account is offered, people should take it. It's triple tax-free. It goes in before tax. It grows tax-free, and it's tax-free upon withdrawal. The key is you have to have enough income while working to not draw that down. So not only do you love your home, but your home is a financial dynamic. We just talked about, you know, $100 million homes, $100 $44 million homes being sold. At some point in time, it's okay to downsize. I'm pretty sure you're not going to get from end to end of that compound at age 70. You know, most of the people I know over 75, they could probably survive in a, you know, very small home, 1,600 square foot or less. You know, my mom's health is so bad that, you know, she probably uses two, three rooms, kitchen, bedroom, TV room. So consider downsizing. It can reduce your cost out of pocket each month in everything from utilities to, you know, maintenance. Consider taxes in everything you do when you're in retirement, you know, 
you uh, get that Social Security, you know, $20,000, $25,000, but that's pre-tax. You're going to pay taxable income on that to the federal government and to the state government if your state has an income tax. So, you know, everything's taxable. If you've got securities that generate income, that's taxable. So interest income is taxable. You end up being taxed on 85% of your Social Security. Um, You want to range your tax efficiencies as much as possible. So when should you consider life insurance and when should you not? For some individuals, it may not be appropriate because they may not have the funds necessary to fund it. But what some people have found is if someone has marginal assets or needs to use a lot of assets in retirement, one way to free up their mind to incorporate life insurance into their lives, some sort of term life angle. It's going to be expensive, but it's unique to every individual station, every individual person. Um, It's a great planning tool to provide the surviving spouse, you know, free up their lifestyle and make their life good. You know, if you have one spouse who's 70 and one spouse who's 50 and you haven't saved enough, but the 50-year-old has the funds to pay for life insurance on the 70-year-old, it's a thought, something that should be looked into. Um, so you want to make your, your assets last as long as they can in retirement. So I got an email recently from, um, I don't want to say a name. Because it's a very unique name. We'll say last name Fong. And she wrote two questions. Power of attorney transfer of the grant deed from mother to son. Are they both needed to be done by attorney or title company? Officially, I believe the power of attorney can be done and signed by two parties and notarized. For grant deed, it can be done by ourselves by filling out form of property transfer from county and pay the fee. No need to go through any title company or attorney. Am I correct? So she's correct in that. But I don't recommend ever transferring a piece of property to a kid. Um, there's a lot of downsides. The portion of the home that's deeded to the child is considered a gift, so if it exceeds 14000 you need to file a federal gift tax return to report to the IRS. This amount will then need into your lifetime gift tax exemption. Once their name is on the deed, you can't sell, refinance, you can't take out another mortgage without their consent. You also have the right to sell their portion of the home without consent, their portion of the home that could do it. You could lose the home sale exclusion, $250,000 for singles, $500,000 for married on the portion that is transferred. The value of the home will not receive the all-important step on, up in basis after death. It is a really, really bad idea that a lot of Californians do. They make the mistake. They regret it. Do not transfer the title. Do not transfer the deed to your child. Let it pass upon your death. It's the much, much, much more tax-efficient way of doing it. Safer way to keep your home from liabilities and lawsuits. I'm Rob Black. Let's take a break here. We'll be right back.
Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. You're listening to K to W. AM 1220. Um, some stories out there. There's one that I really, really, really like today. Because it, it shows you where things are going in our lives, and it's only getting better. Google just upgraded Maps for Android iOS with lane guidance, offline access, and Uber integration. I know a lot of young people who live in the city who swear by Uber and Lyft. Google Maps shows you which lane to drive in or which one to move to. That way you should never find yourself frantically trying to change five lanes, nearly hitting all other cars as you try to make an exit. Also, if you're an Uber rider, you'll be able to hail an Uber straight from the Google Maps app. You'll be able to compare your Uber ride with public transit and walking directions. So it's the first third-party app integration for Google Maps. So Google Venture invested $258 million last year in Uber. It's pretty cool. It's a little twist. It's a little update. I really like the lane guidance um, because that's one of the biggest problems with using your phone uh, as a uh, mapping GPS is sometimes like that turn comes up a little bit faster than you thought. And sometimes the, the turn off on a interstates to the left and not to the right, like you'd naturally assume. So, good stuff. Um, small, but powerful, in my opinion. Okay. Um, Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner, got into an epic fail of a Twitter question and answer yesterday. I'll talk about that a little later in the show. The SP 500's down two, the Dow's down three, the NASDAQ down 45. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton with newfocusfinancial.com. Newfocusfinancial.com is the easiest way to find them. Estate plan versus retirement plan. A lot of people retire. They want the money to last till the day they die. A lot of people retire. They want the money to last till the day they die and then leave some for their estate, for their spouse, their children. You get the basic idea. Are these ideas in conflict with one another or do they work hand in hand, Mr. Burton? Well, you really have to work hand in hand and that's part of, you know, part of your retirement plan should be looking at your estate plan as well, because once you are that close to retirement, you can do a, do a true projection in terms of how long your money is going to last and what you're going to be worth. Um, you know, you use conservative growth rates on your assets, and you also use, you know, just kind of conservative, let's say your real estate continues to grow with inflation. So you're retiring at 65. What are you going to be worth at age 85, at age 90, at age 95? Is there going to be a legacy left over for your kids? And if so, you know, making your retirement plan and your income plan meet your plan for a legacy. So you, know, you have to ask the question, do you want or need to have a legacy? It's some people, their retirement plan, it's very important them, to them to leave either a specific amount to their kids or to charity, or maybe they have a special needs child. So you really have to make sure beneficiary designations work the right way, and they also match with what your trust is, is trying to achieve. That sounds like some legwork. That sounds like some details where I think you know my situation. Let's not get too personal. But I should have enough money for a legacy, or I should have enough money to live till the day I die. Yep. Those are two issues in my head that I feel very comfortable saying out loud. Um, and then leaving it to kids, leaving it to spouses, leaving it to colleges, I'm going to think about that in five, ten years from now Yeah. Uh, as I take the foot off the gas. And let's say you have a specific amount you want to leave the kids, right? So what are the best assets to do that with? Well, a lot of people hold off, for example, on pulling money out of their IRAs. But if you leave your IRA to your kids and they're still working – they're eventually going to have to pay the taxes, and they're probably going to be at a higher bracket than you. 
So if w- one of your plans is to leave a legacy, the best assets to leave them are either a stock or a, you know, a taxable account where if you pass, they get a step up in basis and they could sell it tax-free, or a Roth IRA. If they inherit a Roth IRA, they can roll it into an inherited Roth IRA account and continue tax-free growth over their, over their lifetime. Or let's say that you really want to benefit your church and you say, I want to set aside $100,000 out of my portfolio and I want that to go to the church when I pass away. Well, carve out an IRA. Say, I'm going to take an IRA, a certain amount that I want to leave to my church or charity, put it in a separate account and designate that church or charity because if they inherit, if they receive that IRA when you pass, they're nonprofit. They won't pay any taxes. Okay. Now, what you have to be careful with is you can really screw up your, your beneficiaries. If you have, say, two kids in a non-natural entity like a church or a charity on the beneficiary forms, it can actually screw everything up. So whenever you want to do that, carve it out and make sure that that's noted in your trust and, and make sure that you're, you know, you're, your attorney, your advisor, everybody's working together to make sure your investment plan matches your estate plan and your beneficiaries matches what you want to have happen in your trust. Now, what happens if, like, the church changes, like they go under, and that's part of your estate plan, or the guy closes shop and moves to Guatemala and is no longer a church? Um, how dramatic can that change your estate plan? Well, there's there's certain – you could even write into your plan. There's certain organizations that rate charities out there, okay. and and you can say in your trust documents or – Plan B, Plan C. Right. So if they're not a viable entity, then it goes to you know this entity. Uh, and it could be up to your trustee to decide. So you could have everything just go into your trust, and your trustee could have specific instructions in the trust to say, I want charities to benefit this amount, and and I want um, them to be funded out of retirement assets. So that's a, a way that you could do it. What's really important too, Rob, is special needs kids. Yep. Um, if there's any chance that they're going to um, receive some sort of assistance from the government, leaving the money outright can really screw that up. So you really have to work with an attorney that knows the special needs rules and leaving it for them in a specific type of trust so that they can you know, be protected and uh, have some help management and also not screw up the benefits that you've worked so hard to get them um, as they've aged. So Leaving a legacy is it's an important thought. Like, Of course you want to leave your kids money, but also on the flip side of it, you don't want to leave them so much money that they don't work. Yeah. You don't want to leave them so much money that they go off and get married to a, a you know, a gold digger. Mm-hmm. You don't want to leave them so much money that the gold digger can take half of it. So well, you don't want to protect them from divorce and lawsuits. So you could actually leave it to them in in certain types of trusts, like dynasty trusts. Um, and you know, so if you're leaving large amounts to a young child, a lot of times people in their trust they say, well, you get a third at 25, a third at 30, and a third at 35. I think those are old ways of doing business. You can leave it to them in trust indefinitely so that they're always protected from divorce, from lawsuits, and, and it's easy to manage. The billionaire owner of uh, In-N-Out Burger, she's 30, white trash, drives a drag racing cars, on her third marriage, has twins, got half of the In-N-Out Burger franchise empire at age 30, gets the other half at 35. So speaking to you, to say the least. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. So which spouse should play the role of family financial planner? It's a big question. You know, you've heard stories about couples that get lost while driving. The man won't admit they're lost and pull over to ask a stranger for help. Uh, their phones, well, why didn't they check their phones and use their phones to unlost themselves, right? Well, then neither one of them thought of it. 
Um, so the wife gets exasperated in that scenario. You know, oh, honey, you won't pull over. And people just don't understand. Um, a lot of people prefer to use their, you know, phone to guide them. Some people hate it. I love it. Um, it's pervasive how many people don't want to use it, that they want to figure it out on themselves or use the old-fashioned, this is, I know the way, I know the way, I know the way. So I actually check my maps every day before I go to work, come home from work, just to make sure there's no, you know, blockages in the road or anything that's going to slow me down. So gender plays a big role in finance and investing. Whether it's, you know, milestones in your life that are expensive, like marriage or buying a home or buying a vacation home, paying for college. I've always thought, like, you know what I want to do for kids? I want to pay for their college, and I want to get a nice retirement home that we can create memories in. That, to me, is very, very important. I look at other families have that place in Tahoe or that place in Santa Barbara or that cabin in the woods. I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know, you could keep some of your stuff there, keep it locked. The way each half of a couple thinks and acts affects your investing, it makes a critical difference in success or failure. It's something that you should spend some time thinking about. There's overconfidence of men, and there's risk aversion of women. That tends to be a generic thought. Women are much more willing to say they don't know the answer to a financial question by asking questions. They actually can become more informed. It's a very good reason to try to figure out how to work together. Any man or woman aware of the you know, actuar actuarial tables should know that women live longer than men. So women should plan for more financial planning in their life, more financial assets in their life. So if there are stereotypes, you know, try to get someone like me to give you generic financial advice to get started. You want to meet in the middle sometimes. The perception that someone is innately risk-averse or someone is risk-seeking, it's not built on a good social foundation for the relationship. We'll talk about this more, investing the markets. Whole Foods is having a bad day. AOL's having a bad day. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob Black in your money. Financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. Talking all things financial. Alibaba disclosed their prospectus yesterday, and there's a lot of stuff in it. They're coming public. And Yahoo has a 24% stake in the e-commerce giant. It's expected to start trading later this summer. 
Um, investors yesterday learned that Alibaba was generating revenue growth of about 60% with a hefty $4 billion operating profit. $4 billion is a lot of money. On top of it, they've got cash flow of about $5.2 billion, larger than some people expected. That could be used for dividends, it could be used for buybacks, it could be used for investments. Amazon generates about $3.2 billion in free cash flow, with sales growth of about 22%. eBay is expected to have about $3 billion in free cash flow, with expected 14% revenue growth. So Yahoo, if they were to sell all their shares, their core business, and they were to buy back all of their Yahoo shares, has no value. People basically predict that Yahoo.com and the various properties that they have out there have no value if you look at the Alibaba thing. Anyway, another horrific sound in baseball last night. hate hearing baseballs hit human beings' heads. Um, yeah, you know, the, the things that we could talk about, we're just talking about who should run the financial plan of a family. And this is a sensitive topic. Because, you know, oftentimes I like asking questions. Like, I've got a friend who's been married for 20 years, and I say things like, okay, you knew her when you were falling in love. How close is she to that person? 10 years after the marriage, 20 years after the marriage. And 20 years after the marriage, it's not even close. So a lot of people, you know, oh, you know, this is what I think about spending, this is what I think about saving in the first couple of years. And then 10 years later, it's about who's louder. You know, whose perspective can be loud enough to win the benefit of the doubt. I was talking with my producer today, and it's like you've known someone 20 years, knowing them your lifetime. And he said, you know, my parents are the same way, that no matter what I say, I'm never going to have to get the opinion that counts. Because they've known me since I was a 10-year-old kid with boogers on his face and when it washes hair for a week or two. You gotta learn to participate together and writing stuff down and then trying to compromise things is a way of doing it. Um, for instance, uh, my grandparents had a big thing, one set of my grandparents had a big thing where they wanted to send their kids, grandkids to college. They wanted to leave wealth a little bit to the church but mostly to their children, then those parents, the kids of the grandparents, the parents of the sibling of the grandchildren, they had no goal. They wanted to go out and get new cars and get facelifts and you know upgrade the house and do everything that they could for their last 5, 10, 15 years on the planet. No thought of leaving money for children. I don't want a man cave. I want a place outside of town that I can go to to, you know, kind of clear my thoughts. Um, to the point that I'll shop at four different grocery stores knowing, you know, CVS might have the best prices on gro on um, liquor, and Safeway might have the best prices on garbage bags, or Costco might have garbage bags. Home Depot's got a pretty good deal on their branded HDX garbage bags. So I've got a garage, so I, I buy a lot of stuff to store it, um, because I, I do want that escape place. So 
one of the advices that I give you as a couple is seriously write down your goals and then start, you know, negotiating them. So if you can't negotiate them, get someone who's non-biased, family member uh, that can say, you know, come on. You know, he wants to save $2 million for retirement so you all can have an $80,000 income and, you know, the family budget's not being controlled right now. You all are never going to get there. So you kind of need that voice of reason. If you could pull it off as a couple, that's great. If you can't, I think you're in trouble. Anyway, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. We have a market today that uh, I'm not excited by. Uh, There appears to be some softening of rhetoric coming out of Russia about Ukraine. Some of the sanctions have really hit hard. Uh, Ukraine builds a lot of military machines that Russia needs. So they either want to own it, own the country and the factories, or they want to back off. Um, the S&P 500 is down one today. The Dow is up three. The Nasdaq's up 41. Janet Yellen's got t- she's talking right now, and she's kind of scaring the market. She says the two big risks to the U.S. economy are geopolitical and housing. What housing? So that's interesting. Um, the Fed has cited a slow recovery in the housing sector as a concern. She took it a step further, saying the recent flattening out in housing activity could prove more protracted than currently expected, rather than resuming its earlier pace of recovery. This housing recovery has been weird, because it's had a lot of investors jumping into houses. Cash is historically trash, yielding nothing. So if you can get a 5% return on a house, 10% return on a house, woo, much better than socking your money away in a bank. You know, valuation... And valuations as a whole on residential real estate prices are within their historical norms. Bank holding companies improved their liquidity positions, raised capital ratios. So she's okay with it, but she's worried a little bit about housing. Flattening of activity. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Oh, 
Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Mother's Day right around the corner. Make sure you say something nice. If you can't do something nice, at least say something nice. Um, I don't know. Kevin Durant, forward from the Oklahoma City, won his first NBA MVP last night. And during it, he cried. He described what it was like growing up in his world, moving from apartment to apartment. His mom always pushed him to practice. He said, when he didn't eat, mom, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. You're the real MVP. It just gets you like, good God, what parents do for their children. Wondrous, right? Um, Wondrous. Anyhow, um, my mom brought me into this world, and I think she did enough. I never expected more, but what she did was she taught me to be loving and sweet, and she taught me how to cook. So she didn't really cook terribly. She was never a chef, but having six kids, the fifth one got to see a lot of cooking. So I appreciated it enormously. Um, SP 500 down one, the Dow up 21. The NASDAQ, not doing so good, down 47. The NASDAQ is the sizable biggest loser of the day. In large part because the NASDAQ has some things going on, like Whole Foods is struggling. Whole Foods, uh, Twitter, some big NASDAQ-y kind of names aren't having a good day. So Disney's helping out the Dow. Disney has Frozen and Thor. Thor. Um, stunning if you actually look at it. How well Disney has done from the acquisitions of Marvel Entertainment for $4 billion. And basically by buying Pixar, they're able to get a lot of talent, uh, creative talent. And that's one of the reasons Frozen was such a, a big winner. Uh, so Disney bought Pixar in 2006 for $7.4 billion. Alibaba has filed for what's going to be the biggest tech IPO of the year coming out later this summer. They control 80% of the commerce, internet commerce in China. Um, some of that money that they raise is going to go to Yahoo. Um, just throwing it out there. Uh, Yahoo and SoftBank may be amongst the biggest beneficiaries of the IPO. Neither will have any control of Alibaba. Other big stories out there of note, AOL, big loser. Measuring the impact of the nearly $43 billion online advertising industries, proving to be as important as Detroit's move from the horses to the autos. Um, AOL's coming out and, you know, they're doing another acquisition, scooping up big data ad measuring company, Converto, for $100 million. But AOL down 21% today after missing earnings estimates. Whole Foods down 20% after lowering their outlook. And this is a company that's perplexing. When things are good, they're very, very good. When things are bad, they're very, very bad. If you take a look at their chart, that's kind of like the way it's gone for quite a while. I'm not a fan of going to Whole Foods. Because the joke is it costs a whole paycheck. I am a fan of the concept of organics. 
in the last year, if you've listened to the show, we've talked about IPOs that are taking advantage of this quote-unquote organics angle. So organics angle being millennials are willing to pay top dollar to get fresh, to get local, to get organic. I know numerous millennials. Um, I know one millennial who's like, she's so good looking, so young. And I'm like, why aren't you living in San Francisco and, and like doing the whole dot-com era thing? And she moves up to way north, way north California to work on an organics farm um, because that's her love and her passion. So if you go back to 2011, uh, 2012, this is where Whole, Mark, Whole Foods was, $38 a share. So 2012, it was great. 2013, it was great. 2014, it's been pretty disappointing. And again, if you go to 2009 to 2010, great. 2010 to 2011, great. 2011 to 2012, great. 2012 to 13, great. 2013 had a, had a p- rough part, but by the end of the year, 2014, it was an all-time high. So there you get five great years, and now you get it's pulling back to where it was two years ago. How does it make you feel? Um, the company has a big valuation. It's smaller today than it was yesterday but it's still trading well over 25 times earnings. And you have to look at valuation on occasion. So you can't buy at 52-week highs. You have to scale in. Scaling in not only works, but scaling out also cuts down some of the market timing angle that gets people caught up. Productivity of, oh, and by the way, we've got a lot of competition like Sprouts and Fresh Market that's cropped up in IPOs, raised money. But then again, I think the biggest competition for Whole Foods is coming from companies like Safeway and Lucky's and Albertsons and you know Kroger's, where they're free to make contracts to bring in organic just as well. And they've got more stores. Now, Whole Foods, for their part, they're saying, we're going to open more stores. We love our concept. We're not going to slow down just because of this. Economic day-to-day was bad. Productivity of U.S. workers decreased due to winter freeze. It fired up the labor costs. We're not going to let that be the issue because there, it was cold, and hopefully it's not always cold. Other stories of note today, I should probably think about potentially addressing electronic arts, and for some reason I'm just not. Uh, very good quarter. Um, electronic arts makes video games. Uh, most people that I know who have a phone or a tablet play games on their phones or tablets. I can't say all. Um, Some of them are paying free games, which the industry has made a huge move to this freemium model. And then you pay as you basically buy add-ons or extend the game into new levels. And that makes some sense. Like it's uh, try before you buy. So the $60 video games, they're still out there and they're still big and they're still epic but not as big as Epic. So Electronic Arts, very nice quarter. Um, ERTS, they seem to be navigating the mobile video game world pretty well. Um, if you take a look at Electronic Arts, you probably want to take a look at their competitor, Activision, as well as Take-Two. Um, EA is the ticker symbol. Um, up four and a half bucks today, up 16%, basically at a 52-week high. 
when you pull out the numbers a little bit more, uh, it's at a five-year high. Uh, stock has been volatile, and it was incredibly cheap in 2012. Um, keep in mind, now that the Xbox One is out, now that the PlayStation 4 is out, it has created a scenario where the hardware's out there, and more and more people are buying the hardware, so there's a bigger and bigger and bigger base to sell in that hardware. We'll talk about that and more. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800. Nope, we don't have that number anymore. We're going to get a new 800 number. I don't know what it is yet. You can email me, Rob, at robblack.com. It's Rob at robblack.com. Peter Gabriel, Life Carries On. He's done some of my favorite music of all time. This is a good one with a chorus of Life Carries On and On and On. I've got a friend whose father is right now passing. And it's incredibly painful to think about the loss of a father. But it's also incredibly romantic to think of what came before him and what will come after him. And she's got two wonderful, lovely children. And I've never been freaked out by death. I've started to see more of it in families that I know. I've started to see more and more tragedy. But honestly, in all of that, isn't there a lot of beauty as well? I tend to think so. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. SP 500 is down one, the Dow is up 23, the NASDAQ down 50. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, it's an easy topic to get into. A lot of spinning, a lot of fluff. It's been done before and again, but the prenup. Prenuptial agreement, financial contract between you and the person you're marrying, typically considered a contentious idea in the media. What's your thoughts? It shouldn't be. I think that uh, if you can't, it's really a barometer, I think, for the marriage. If you can't talk about money, if you can't talk about a prenup, um, then you're probably going to have problems. We all know that, what, about 50, 55% of marriages fail? Yep. Where prenups are even more important is t- tends to be that second marriage, and 60% of second marriages fail. Wow. And the second marriage, you're dealing with issues of not only money, but also of children from previous marriages, and that... You know, how do you step parent? Um, 
how do you deal with those issues on top of money? So prenups, you know, if you're getting married straight out of college, unless you're doing a, you know, you're a, you're already well into your law degree or you're, you know, you're going to medical school or whatever. Um, a lot of times there's not a lot to protect. But in your second marriage, you have the kids, you have assets, you have, uh, you might have a business where you have salary, which is community property plus profit distributions, which can you can separate outside of that. Um, so it's really important in that second marriage to talk about money, talk about how the kids are going to be raised, talk about prenup. You've already been through a divorce once, so don't don't do it wrong again. So a prenup is a good idea. I always tell the story about how out of college I lived with a girl and. Uh, she swears one album was hers, one CDs was hers. I swear I bought it. And when we broke up, it was contentious over a CD. Yeah. Could you imagine more important things like IRAs or if you own a business? Like talked about CD. What about what about these iTunes accounts that married people end up with all this music and then how do you split that up? I don't know. You can have it. <laughs> just go. You can, That's your, you can have your ninety nine left balloons. <laughs> you can have it. Just go. It's a phrase that pays. Um, so you need a prenup if you're going to get an inheritance, if you own a business, if you have children from a previous relationship, like Chad said, if you don't make a lot of money now, but maybe your future earnings are going to be greater. Uh, you know, I'm a classic example of that. And like kids in law school, you know, they get married in, in grad school, and then you know, he, she supports him. She's waiting tables. He's getting his law degree. Next thing you know, he's making a giant salary five, ten years down the road, and uh, there's an L splitsville. Yeah. Well, too, and a lot of business owners, a lot of business owners end up, you know, the first 10 years of, of working and, and being a slave to your, your business that you're trying to create, you don't make a lot of money in the beginning. You're always working towards that future scenario of, okay, the business is now finally running itself instead of you running the business. And that's when you can start taking profit distributions and things like that. So a lot of marriages fail when you have a business owner that's, you know, kind of a workaholic. And so in that second marriage, it tends to be when that business owner is now finally hitting that point where they want it. They have the right salary. They have the right profit distributions. So that's when it's really important because when you get married, Rob, your salary is typically community property. Right. So that's really hard to protect. And you can you can do certain things in terms of, well, if the marriage lasts this long and you're at home taking care of the kids, then maybe I'll pay support for a certain period of time. You've got to think that all through. If you're going to get married and you both have kids or, or you have kids and the spouse doesn't, who's going to take care of the children? And what's going to happen if the divorce lasts 10 years and one person stayed at home and didn't join the workforce? How are you going to help? How are they going to get retrained? There's all sorts of things that come in the prenup agreement. People need to do this before they cohabitate and well before marriage. Yep. It's tough to do after, and it's tough to do when you suddenly learn, like, this person has a problem communicating with money. Right. emotional for them. Well, after, yeah, I mean, the prenup is before. So the postnup comes into play where you get, you know, a separation occurs and almost a divorce. And then you kind of, usually a postnup will come into play where, okay, fine, I'll get back together. But you had a debt problem. You had a gambling problem. You had a spending problem. So if we, if we get <laughs> you know back. My, you to, know my life really well. <laughs> if we get, you spend too much on scotch. If we, <laughs> if we get back together and we do end up getting divorced after all, after all, here's what's going to happen. Gotcha. Anything else that we need to know? Um, boy, it's you can't don't do a bunch of frivolous things. I, I've seen really odd things in a in a prenup where people get caught up in uh, literally how much you're supposed to weigh. 
who's supposed to mow the lawn, who's, you know, those types of things. So don't, don't get caught up in it. Make, make it uh, open communication. Use a counselor to approach it um, if you think it's going to be contentious. But the prenup, you've got to put everything on the table. That's a chance where you show all your assets, all your liabilities, because if you don't, they're not going to hold up. I think I think weight should be part of a marriage contract. Yeah. So it, it how unfair to marry someone and they become a drunken slob. <laughs> Story of my life. Story of my life. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Eight. New phone number. Got to stop going to the old one. Uh, you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. One thing that I think you could do to really, really help your children is get them possibly the summer to read a book on money. Um, a couple books, The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. If you were to pay your kid $100 to write a book report on it, um, I think that would really help them become better investors in the future. There's another one called The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley and William Danko. Do not have them read anything by Kiyosaki or Trump. Um, another one that I really like is Random Walk Down Wall Street. It, it really teaches you about the market, but it also gets you kind of into the market, which I don't like. So I'd stick with my first two. We'll take a break here. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. of financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Get your calls on the air. Can't do it right now because we've got new studios. But song tonight, tonight, believe in me. Let's bring in the one, the only, Dr. Jeff Rosen. Believe in me, Janet Yellen. How are you feeling about her today? I think she's doing exactly what she was supposed to do. Um, keeping everything calm, nothing, nothing jaw-dropping, nothing different. You know, she knows what the market wants. She knows what the uh, the economy is doing, and she's just, you know, emphasizing that. She mentioned something about housing, and that seems to be catching the headlines that there's two big problems out there, housing market metrics and potentially um, something happening worldwide. Um, Jeff Gunlock also talked about housing and what's wrong with housing recently. Um What's wrong with housing, Mr. Rosen? <laughs> I mean, it's a double-edged sword. We, the pro, we, we have multiple problems. I mean, the, the biggest problem right now is the fact that we're not seeing an influx of 
first-time home buyers coming to the market to prop up the, the the whole housing market in itself. You need a first-time home buyer to come in to buy a house so that another person could sell their home to buy a bigger house, which leads to more construction and, and leads to more growth. And right now, that first person's not coming in, so there isn't enough demand to drive construction, and it's not driving uh, you know the economy forward like it normally does. I work with some people who are 10, 15 years younger than me, and they don't want to ever get married, and they don't want to ever buy a house. Their memories of the housing crisis has soured them. Um, the kids aren't all right, so to speak. I need people younger than me to potentially buy my expensive pad. Um, is that going to be a problem, or do you think we'll grow out of that problem? We'll grow out of it eventually. I mean, no one – I shouldn't. I should take that back. If we become like the Japanese male who – you know, has a hard time, you know, finding a, uh, you know, potential mate, marrying and having children, will have problems. If we can continue to expand the population in a orderly fi- uh, fashion, like we've been doing over the last hundred years, then it's not going to be a problem. You know, because eventually you're going to want to, you know, have children, and if you have children, you're going to need to have a place to live beyond, uh, you know, a small meager apartment or living with your roommates. You're going to have to expand. And the question is, when is that going to start to happen? Okay. Off the topic of housing, unless you want to hit a little further on it, let's talk a little bit about the productivity numbers. Again, we're blaming the weather. Americans weren't very productive in the first quarter due to the winter freeze that fired up labor costs. One-time blip, or will it hang over into the second quarter? Uh, it all depends on how output comes. You know, right now, what you saw in Q1 was you had terrible output, which people are blaming on weather conditions. Uh, I don't buy that necessarily, but let's just go with that story. And then you have hours work that increased, you know, a solid amount, and you had a big pickup in, in wages. So if you have a big pickup in wages and a big pickup in hours worked, then the cost of what you're producing goes up if you're not going to be producing at at least the same rate as as your wage growth. So, you know, it was no surprise that you had a negative productivity number. It was no surprise that you had a really strong unit labor cost number. The question is, are businesses going to continue increasing wages with, you know, minimal output growth, which would drive up labor costs? Or are they going to uh, keep labor costs minimized, don't give any more raises, and um, wait till output returns? And it's a difficult question to know what the answer is. Uh, my feeling is that we're going to have, you know, lackluster growth in the second quarter compared to what the consensus is, probably two, two and a half percent, compared to, you know, three and a half, four, and, and, and sometimes even higher than that. Uh, in some of these expectations, and I don't see much job growth to match that. And I think that if you looked at the April uh, employment report, you had a um, you had no wage gains. So you know, any type of income growth is going to come from uh, from just having more employees. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to continue trending higher uh, based on how output is demanded. It's interesting that you bring that up because I've recently read Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief economist at briefing.com. I've recently read that basically there's no way that we're going to have a problem with labor in the next 10 years because baby boomers are retiring, baby boomers are retiring, baby boomers are retiring, and it's going to open up jobs. Is there any truth to that notion? 
There is, as long as baby boomers keep buying. I mean, if baby boomers retire and they cut their spending because, A, they don't have enough savings to continue spending or, you know, just natural tail off on, on needs, you're not going to need all the jobs that you have currently. You know, that, that's the problem. Yeah, there'll be more job openings, but those job openings may be closed because they just get rid of them because they don't need to produce as much output as they did in the past. So the question is, how is that going to play out? So even though you might have someone retire, but instead of having that being filled by a younger person, that retired job could just go away. You recently penned an article for briefing.com, and it was called, Don't Be So Sure, A Strong Recovery in the Second Quarter. Second paragraph, second sentence, you write, in actuality, the savings rate fell to the lowest point since first quarter 2008. Talking about that cold weather, if you're not at work, you're probably at home watching TV and not spending money, saving more money because you're not spending it. What's wrong? What's, what's happening here? Well, what ended up happening was that the cost of heating your house went up, and you used the money that you had to, you know, heat your home. So instead of spending it on goods and services, you spent it on natural gas and electricity. And, you know, what that means is is that there's no pent-up savings that could be unleashed to drive consumption forward. You know, you're going to either need income growth, either through jobs or increased wages, or you're going to need um, to lower your savings rate even further in order to drive consumption growth. And I, I don't know, you know, if consumers are going to be willing to have a three and a half, three percent savings rate, which is what you kind of need in order to get another, you know, three percent, you know, plus consumption uh, quarter. Leaving the ball in your court, anything you want to talk about, anything you want to make our listeners aware of that you're working on, that's important, yeah, I, that's being overlooked? Right now, it's it's really, you know, how is the employment sector working? You know, where are the jobs coming from? Who is benefiting from how things are? Inequality is big in the news right now, and I think it's going to continue being a hot topic all the way through the elections. Um, I'm looking right now at uh, the BLS data on um, wages and seeing which sectors are seeing wage growth, which sectors are seeing aggregate income growth, which is the um, not only the uh, an hourly wage gain, but the amount of hours worked multiplied by that wage gain, to see if we're you know if there are definitely haves or have-nots in the system. You know, we're trying to figure out you know what's going on. And, you know, it, it's interesting. Like I have colleagues now talking to me about uh, you know education in the in the future, and they're basically saying, you know, my kid wants to go to college, but should we look at, you know, what their earning potential is at the college? You know, should I major in in English today? You know, is that worthwhile? And going through sector by sector, you're getting a better idea of which jobs are, are you know, being desired right now versus not. And, and I think that's important. And I think a lot of people that uh, – you know, are entering that, that phase of their life where they have to make a decision on what, what type of environment, what type of job field they want to go into, should really take a look at what uh, wages are and what income growth is looking like before you make that decision. I got thrashed yesterday or late last week in an email from a young woman who's 30, and I, I say on the air on a regular basis, if you have kids, try to push math, science, try not to push English or poetry. Maybe I should say, you know, there are some liberal arts like design, web design, that could be useful. 
but she thrashed me. She's like, I'm 30 years old. I make six figures. I've saved $250,000. You should stop telling people not to get liberal arts degrees in English. You and I, we're going to have a couple beers. And we're just, <laughs> you're to talk about your kids. What would you tell me? Who, who wins that argument, me or her? Well, for the average person, you win that argument. I mean, there's no question about what type of jobs see higher pay. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you know, you major in English and you can't do really well, you know, but it's going to be harder in the initial uh, point and, and it's going to be difficult. But that doesn't mean that someone majoring in English can't get a job that, that's high paying. It's just that the average student who majors in that, that subject matter is not going to see, you know, strong growth. Now, there was an interesting article today on um, CNN talking about why, uh, you know, STEM isn't the only place to go that you need liberal arts growth. There are liberal arts degrees because they have abstract thinking. Well, I would argue that, you know, yeah, but most of the people that are going to be doing the jobs, you know, that, that need to be filled are in the math and science areas. And the abstract thinker is going to give them an idea, and those people are the ones who are going to go and try to put it together. And, and that's where the money is. Return on investment in college degrees. I like it. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen. He is a chief economist. He is the chief economist with briefing.com. Um, the kids are not all right. They're not buying houses. The, lot, the degrees that they're getting are problematic. They're coming out of college with a lot of debt. We talk the economy and much, much more on a regular basis on this show. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen. You can find him at briefing.com. have anything to talk about cars. I have no stories on cars today, unfortunately. With that said, um, you know, one of the things that I always come back to is, you know, try to figure it out. Um, I see the biggest mistakes people make is typically in delay. They... Procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. They don't get their, you know, goals out there. Um, I hate Facebook. It, I think it's one of the most vile things on the planet. It just sucks time. I log into my personal Facebook account maybe once every 60 days. I log into the business one maybe once a day for three minutes. So I have a Cron 4 webpage. Um, you can find it at Facebook, Cronpour Rob Black. Uh, they want me to post twice a day. 
Um, and I post my video spots that I do, and I uh, post the radio show, and it gets the message out there about KDOW, and it kind of supports each other. But then I get caught up, and I'm like, ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. So the NFL commissioner yesterday, Roger Goodell, said he's ready to talk, and he got on Twitter to talk to the fans. And it was funny. The tweets that came in, and he was going to take draft questions, um, and it, it was pretty mean what came in. Have the anonymous industry, good old boys, decided the NFL can handle out gay players yet? Asking for a friend was one question. Um, Jason said, how can you claim to be about player safety but move towards an 18-game season? Admit, it's just about the money. Um, another one came in from Michael, and he goes, why can't you listen to 10 renowned sports economists except the fact that the blackout rule is archaic and worthless? Those of you who like the Oakland Raiders, you should be able to watch the Oakland Raiders just because you can't go to the stadium. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it, it shows you the power of Twitter. Like he, there was one story many years ago that George W. Bush, no, George Bush Sr. was in a grocery store and someone scanned a grocery and he's like, "Whoa, what's that?" So it had been so long since he had been in a grocery store and done his own shopping that he had not seen a scanner. Um, I think there's a little bit of that kind of going on with Roger Goodell. Um, if you have children, it's really, really tough to watch a, a National Football League game. Uh, it's really, really tough to think about sending your kid to play football. Um, the injuries, when, they're, when they happen, they're catastrophic. Um, take a look at players who've played in the league for 10, 15 years. So anyway, I thought Twitter did a great evening of the playing field. Um, another one came in from Andrew, and he's like, uh, why do you hate anything to do with fun or emotion? You know, it used to be that players could have, like, celebrations on the field, and he got rid of that. Um, Amanda asked, do you feel guilty profiting off breast cancer? Or, nah, not so much. Um, pretty good. Like, that was one of the big stories last year, is that the NFL, they have all these pink jersey days and pink item days, and then they sell NFL swag that's pink, so that you too, and a portion of that money does go to cancer, but a larger portion goes to the NFL. Um, interesting, right? So, reading over the Janet Yellen testimony during the breaks, one of the things that she said today that was picked up on was that one cautionary note is that readings on housing activity, a sector that's been recovering since 2011, have remained disappointing so far this year is worth watching. The recent flattening out in housing activity could prove more protracted than currently expected rather than resume its earlier pace of recovery. That would be a bad. Now, a lot of housing companies have, housing construction companies have said, you know, expect a flattening. Some mortgage companies have said expect a flattening. Um, and yet you'll hear commercials on radio and television saying, hey, now's the greatest time to own a home. Um, I would make sure you're very well funded and that you have an emergency fund and that you've got a retirement fund uh, if you're going to go into any sort of speculative real estate deals at this point in time. Speculative for me. You know, do I buy a house in Santa Barbara or not? I'm looking at it. But the mathematics don't line up for me enough that I feel comfortable. I would rather there be a flattening of sales 
some older people want to get out of their home, some people who are investors want to get out of that home, have to lower the price. That teeter-totters with the low interest rates. But again, I'm talking about risk management. I'd be very cautious. There's one guy that I know of that's been running a commercial for way too long, talking about now's a great time, because he makes money on that transaction. You always got to look at your source and question, question, question. Um, so Alibaba's coming out. Oh, Tesla reports tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tesla gets smacked around a lot like Whole Foods gets got smacked around. Whole Foods didn't really report that much to talk, you know, right home about. And that stock got crushed today because it had a high multiple. Tesla has a high multiple. Tesla's not going to make money this year. They're not going to make money next year. Uh, actually, next year, they do expect to make some money. Excuse me. I made a mistake. So their future P.E. is 52. Uh, Whole Foods P.E. recently was around 40. Now it's down to, after an awful year, it's down to about 2025. Uh, P.E. is the price to earnings. It's worthy of noting because when momentum changes, it's, it's painful. Look at Amazon. Look at Tesla. Look at companies with the momentum fades, like Apple when it went from 90 to 700 down to 450. Worked uh, down to 400. Anyhow, thanks for listening to the show. Find me online, robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.